Hi there, it's Matt here and welcome back again to the podcast. I'm sure many of you know that obesity has become a major public health concern and it is so hard for so many people who are struggling with the battle of maintaining a healthy body weight. Also, by the way, I think the psychological burden, which we just don't recognize enough, it is equally harmful. What many people do not know, however, is that the epidemic of obesity that has climbed over the last 60 years has grown in direct lockstep with the pernicious erosion of sleep time throughout many industrialized nations. On the podcast before, I've previously spoken about the causal relationships between a lack of sleep, sleep loss, and weight gain. And if you're interested, you can just go back to episode number 15 and episode number 16. But to perhaps refresh your memory, uh, and perhaps mine as well, a couple of examples that we touched on there. First, what we know is that when we look at the big picture epidemiological level, there are strong and significant associations between how little someone sleeps and how overweight or obese that individual is. Indeed, in a meta-analysis, which is simply, again, it's a fancy way of saying you just sum together, you average together all of the prospective studies in a big statistical bucket and you look at that big picture, what that meta-analysis reported is that short sleep duration increases the likelihood of developing obesity by 55% in adults and a striking 89% in children. And we've also discovered that sleep loss will even decrease your resting metabolic rate that only adds to the weight gain problem. For those who are struggling with sleep, one recommendation that I often provide and that I've written about in my book is meditation. Now, total transparency, I was a complete skeptic at first. I thought it was all just a little bit, you know, but the data was really strong. So I tried it, and that was seven years ago now. And I've since been meditating for 10 minutes before bed every night. The app that I've been using is called Calm. And I've decided to partner with them here for this podcast. And Calm have agreed to offer a full 40% off its premium subscription service to you, the listener. And if you want to get that 40% off, you can just visit calm.com forward slash Matt Walker. And I have used my own subscription code to renew my membership. So that is calm, C-A-L-M dot com forward slash Matt Walker, and you'll get 40% off. So you can give it a try if you like. And then there was another fantastic meta-analysis that I should mention from some fantastic colleagues in the UK. And they demonstrated that for every one hour of sleep lost, there was a 23% increased risk of obesity in children and a 13% increased risk in adults. My goodness, that's just one hour. Now, all of those data are simply correlational. That's one of the problems with epidemiological studies. 
But then came very careful experimental studies establishing causality. And here enter two appetite-regulating hormones that we've spoken about before, leptin and ghrelin. Leptin is a hormone. It is produced by fat cells. And it provides a signal of satiety to your brain. In other words, leptin says to your brain, you're full, you don't want to eat more. Ghrelin, on the other hand, does the opposite. Ghrelin, which is, by the way, secreted primarily by the stomach, ghrelin stimulates hunger. And ghrelin tells your brain that you're not satisfied with your food, you're still hungry, and therefore eat more. And what we found is that a lack of sleep will significantly disrupt the balance of these hormones in a way that will conspire to increase your hunger, increase your appetite, and cause excessive food consumption. And there was a great landmark study by Professor Ev Van Carter demonstrating that insufficient sleep decreased levels of leptin, which is the satiety I'm full hormone. It dropped levels of that signaling by 18%, yet it revved up the hunger hormone ghrelin by 28%, telling your brain you want to eat more. And no surprise, when we restrict people's sleep, they do indeed eat more, and quite a lot more. There's a fantastic example that came from a study by Dr. Jared Pott and her team when they were at King's College in London. They discovered that participants deprived of sleep consumed, on average, 385 extra calories each day. That's rather non-trivial. And then in subsequent meta-analyses looking at all different forms of short sleep and sleep restriction and sleep deprivation, they found that on average, an underslept individual will consume somewhere between an extra 200 to 500 calories each day relative to their well-slept counterparts. Oh, and then, I almost forgot, then there was a new player that entered the story somewhat recently, endocannabinoids. Now, the endocannabinoid system, which is in all of us, it helps regulate, among many other things, our appetite. And I will say no more about marijuana and getting the munchies. Anyway, coming back to the science, what we've discovered is that individuals who are experimentally sleep-deprived, they will show elevated levels of cannabinoid signaling in their body. And we know that such elevations will enhance both the pleasure of eating and critically cause you to want to eat more. It's a profile of what we call hedonic eating. By the way, there's another fascinating study that found if you sleep restrict individuals, they will consume somewhere between 300 and 330 extra calories each day. And by the way, that food principally came from snacks, sort of mostly unhealthy foods. But what was interesting is that that spike in hunger and that spike in snack eating arrived right around the time of that aforementioned increase in cannabinoid signaling. A sponsor of today's show is Inside Tracker which is a service that comes out to your home and they will analyze your blood and your DNA 
to know precisely what is going on inside of you. Hence the name Inside Tracker. They look at your blood, your metabolic signals, your hormonal health metrics, and then they give you a personalized, actionable set of lifestyle changes in response to that readout. And the goal there is to improve your health. I was looking and informed they have some new cardiovascular and new hormonal biomarkers that I'm particularly interested in. One that I'm focused on is something called ApoB, which is an absolutely critical heart health measure. And I get it done now with them somewhere between four to six times a year. Why? Well, my family, unfortunately, has a strong history of cardiovascular disease. So I am checking that pretty ruthlessly. And by the way, I do buy the product myself out of pocket. I don't want to fall prey to any of those trappings and undue incentives. Although with full admission, I still use my own discount code that you can use to get some money off. And that code for you is insidetracker.com forward slash Matt Walker. So just go over to insidetracker.com forward slash Matt Walker. And again, if you want to get that discount, it is insidetracker.com forward slash Matt Walker. Thanks very much. But here's the issue in all of this. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's been a bit dramatic, Matthew. It's not really an issue. But all of these studies that I've just mentioned look at only one side of the coin. They leave another key question entirely unanswered. What do I mean by that? All of these studies ask the question, does a lack of sleep lead to an increase in appetite, an increase in food intake, and as a consequence, an increase in weight gain? And the answer was yes, that seems to be true. But what those studies do not address is the equally important opposite question. If you increase the amount of sleep that you get, does that causally reduce your hunger levels? And as a result, does it cause you to eat less? And as a result, you lose weight by way of sleeping more. Wouldn't that be incredible? Sleeping makes you lose weight. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love going to the gym each day. But the thing I probably love to do more is sleep. I know that that sounds hokey, you know, well, but... I, honestly, I, I adore it. <laughs> and let's just say that at least the way that I do both of these things, sleeping is a lot less painful than going to the gym. But coming back to our question then, does sleeping more causally lead people to eat less and lose weight? Enter the absolutely fantastic sleep researcher, Dr. Ezra Tassali and her team from the University of Chicago. Very recently, just back in, recently at the time of recording this, back in uh, 2022, she and her team did an incredible study and it was a wonderfully precise experimental study. Here's what they did. They took a group of adults aged between 21 and 40 and all of those individuals needed to lose weight. 
And by the way, rightfully, those participants were a diverse group from those who identified as Asian, as Black, as African American, as Hispanic, and as Caucasian. And all of those individuals had a body mass index or BMI score of between 25 to 30, which is what we would consider to be overweight. By the way, I know that BMI is hardly a perfect measure and it's probably for others to debate, but for now, it's the medical standard. In addition, these individuals who came into the study were clearly not getting enough sleep. In fact, they were obtaining less than 6.5 hours of sleep a night. And I should note, and it's an important caveat in the study, the reason they were not getting enough sleep was not due to any medical conditions or sleep disorders, but it was down to changeable lifestyle choices. And that's important because it means that they are pump primed, they are opportunistic to try to change their lifestyle habits and behaviors and therefore improve sleep. Uh, by the way, talking about lifestyle, I'm probably referring to myself here. I won't mention the rather disgracing statement by a former CEO of Netflix who once declared war on sleep. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. Anyway, back to the wonderful Dr. Tosali and her team at Chicago. The study was as high-tech as it gets. They conducted what we call a parallel group randomized control trial, or RCT, which is one of the gold standard clinical tools for examining causality. And all of the participants had their sleep patterns monitored at home using a body-worn motion tracker. And they even had their energy expenditure tracked by drinking tracer-laden water, which was then measured in the urine throughout the trial. And here is where the plot thickens. After two weeks of maintaining their usual sleep patterns, the subjects were randomly divided into two groups. One of those groups was the sleep extension group, and they received an individualized sleep counseling program. And it essentially involved sleep hygiene. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to the episode called Optimizing Your Sleep on this podcast. So in that group, the sleep extension group, they received this counseling, this coaching about how to improve their sleep. And they extended their bedtime to 8.5 hours. The other group, the second group, that was the control group. And they continued on with their habitual sleep. The primary outcome measures, meaning the things that the researchers were focused on in the study to see if it was a success, was principally something that we call energy intake. It's a slightly wacky term, but it's a little like the net difference between your food intake versus your calories burned, which is to say that excess energy would be that you've taken on more food than calories burned. And therefore, as a consequence, through that extra energy, the assumption would be that you will gain weight. Versus the converse, the opposite, which is developing an energy deficit. And by way of developing that, the assumption is that you lose weight. And this measure of energy intake, it's a standard measure that they used in the study, is actually measured in calories. So it's a really helpful, simple metric to understand. It's actually kilocalories with a, a little K 
and then C-A-L. So they put these two groups to the test, the group that did the sleep extension for the next round of the experiment, and asked the question, did the energy balance change in the sleep extension group at the end of the study relative to the start of the study compared with the control group who just kept sleeping the same? Let's walk through the results. First thing that we have to establish, even before looking at energy intake or energy expenditure or even weight change, is this. Did the sleep extension manipulation even work? Because if people in the sleep extension group didn't end up sleeping more, then the experiment is a bust right from the off. Well, thankfully, that was not the case. The participants in the sleep extension group increased the amount of sweet slumber that they were getting. In fact, by rather a lot. Those individuals in the sleep extension group increased the amount of sleep that they were getting, on average, by a fantastic 1.2 hours every night. And that value was highly statistically significant. And by the way, it wasn't just significant, but what we call the confidence interval of that improvement, which you can think of as a sort of a, a fancy statistical term for suggesting the level of certainty was also very strong in terms of that 1.2 hour change. I should also note a lovely little finding. This is what I love about reading these papers that was sort of buried in there. You could ask the question, did that sleep improvement simply just occur at the weekend that people were just sleeping lots and lots more during the weekend and not very much during the week? Because that wouldn't be very exciting. You need to be sleeping more and doing it consistently each and every day. And thankfully, that's exactly what they found that regardless of whether they measured the sleep during workdays, during the week, whether it was a 1.3-hour improvement of sleep, or at the weekend, whether it was a 1.1-hour improvement in sleep, it didn't matter, as you could see. They improved significantly in both during the week and at the weekend, and the amount of improvement between those two was no different. The other supporter of this podcast is the electrolyte drink company called Element. Now, it's actually four letters, L-M-N-T. I am a bit of an exercise fanatic, and I started buying their products some years ago, really, because of two key facts. First is the lack of sugar content. Element has no sugar. It also has no colorings, no artificial ingredients, which is unlike many of the other mixes out there that I was shopping. The second is because of the founders who have some serious years of biochemistry experience under their belts and they know what they're doing. So if you want to give it a try, just go to drinklmnt.com forward slash Matt Walker and you will get eight free sample packs on any order that you place. Once again, that is drinklmnt.com forward slash Matt Walker. Okay, good. We've established that part one of this MI5-like James Bond mission was successfully completed. <laughs> uh, oh, Matt, don't do that. Don't start trying to get all 007 on the audience. I have neither the chiseled jaw nor the charisma to pull it off. 
Anyway, now to part two of the mission. I'm just going to go with it. Part two of the mission. Did sleeping more, which we've just proved actually occurred, mean that those individuals experienced a drop in their energy intake? Drum roll. Oh my goodness, yes. The sleep extension group dropped their energy intake by a very sizable 270 kilocalories each day. That is impressive. In fact, if you calculate the numbers, for every one hour of increased sleep that those individuals were getting, they experienced, on average, a 162-calorie energy intake reduction each day. And importantly, no such energy reduction happened in the corresponding control group. Remember those folks that just kept sleeping as they were? In fact, if anything, as they continued to sleep too little across the study, they continued to overeat. In fact, they continued to eat to excess, resulting in around a 150 kilocalorie increase in energy intake every day. So, that control group is important because when you combine those two, remember I told you that the sleep extension group, they dropped their energy intake by 270 kilocalories, whilst the control group, they increased their energy intake by 115 calories. So in essence, the overall benefit of the sleep extension was larger than simply the 270 kilocalorie reduction. Net, net, if you compare those to the differential, that's around 385 kilocalories as an overall benefit. So, part two of the mission successful. And by the way, I know Mr. Bond always over delivers. So let's see if we can go further. Because the real test in all of this, the thing that you, the listener, really wants to know is not whether or not people increase the amount of their sleep or even change their energy intake and reduced it. What you really care about is whether they actually lost weight. Because at the end of the day, if they don't lose any weight, then what's so amazing? What's the motivation for people to start sleeping more? The whole motivation is to help people lose weight by sleeping more. Bond like the final mission goal was accomplished, ma'am. Individuals in the sleep extension group, they dropped weight. On average, they had a highly significant and quite striking reduction of 0.87 kilograms, which is the unit that they used in the study. That's within just 14 days of sleep extension. Do that for simply a year and you will drop the estimated or approximate amount of weight equivalent to 12 to 13 pounds. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. That's not impressive. I'm not so impressed by saying something can help me lose 12 to 13 pounds. Well, maybe you do, but some people may say, no, nah, it doesn't really impress me. Well, you should be impressed because remember, that's with no change in exercise, no grueling gym sessions that you have to wake up for and slog through, no running, no biking, nothing, and no instruction to diet, 
No specific eating regimen demanded at all. You just sleep. Remarkable. So there you have it, folks. Sleep. Your underrated nighttime MI5 secret service agent offering the perfect weapon to help reduce your waistline. Uh, okay, Matt, enough. Just stop. It certainly gives us some some food for thought. Oh, God. Or probably I should really say it certainly gives us less food for thought. You could say, gee, where's Matt? How cheesy is that? Just stop when you're behind. That reminds me, quick tangent, of the law of holes. Have you heard of the law of holes? It is this. When you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Matt, stop digging. And with that, I will simply say good night. Take care. I will see you wonderful people next time. Bye for now.